and weeds, and a mouse 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 and weeds, and how would you describe yourself in the world? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of different things in music, you know, with really an interest does. in in art and everything else and try to pull them all in together through, funnel them through music. <laughs> yeah, you but... Know? Yeah, he's but, kind of... Even his Facebook page exudes, like, amazing artist of all kinds yeah I like art and science and to promote it and people doing really cool things because even with the negativity out on the planet and people complaining about this or that there's an amazing amount of of really um incredible innovation going on in a lot of fields and a lot of great young talent minds happening mm-hmm. i think people get a little clouded <laughs> by a lot of other things and they're kind of missing out and picking out and filtering and recognizing these things going on mm-hmm. that are yeah truly stunning it's kind of so i'm interested in those things and i like to be around that some one way or another help promote it um however possible and uh and he also likes to post videos on uh, a human head transplant that's in the <laughs> well, works that's right now science <laughs> innovative science you know <laughs> Which I, yeah medicinal i mean the the science going in medicine is just mind-boggling uh that's kind of to me the most advanced thing i ever see is the medicinal things and, yeah. and health things in science it's amazing. so it's amazing but um, and where that's going, who knows, you know. So Scrope, basically, one of the main jobs that you do is you're a guitarist. Yes. And you so, get hired a lot as a studio musician? I'm or? a guitarist and a, and a producer and a music director. Um, I do um, a lot of different things, but usually the way I've moved forward and like to work is more collaborative than... Uh, like a straight up for hire thing, you know, if you need, you know, a country guitar player going to hire, okay, I can do certain things, but people can do that better than me. But if you want to take country and do something new with it, I do that better than people. <laughs> so what were you saying? So you know. your degree is in? My degree, my background, um, I went to college at the University of North Texas, which is a really uh, world renowned bebop school. And so I was there for that most of the time. I, w- I went there for that. And then in the last couple of years, I switched over to experimental music, 20th century experimental music. For, Who's in you that know, category? You know, like Stravinsky and uh, Ioannis Anakis, John Cage, yeah. his name. So, Philip Glass, too? Th- yeah, Philip Glass. That's really my... Cut off point. <laughs> no, that's kind of my world right there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, if I'm known at all in a certain way as a guitar player 
and just in music in general, it's as an, someone who's experimental and looking for new things and trying new things. But the know? thing Scrote and I just did together, mm-hmm. well, I was, you were kind enough to let me tag along uh, to film. Lucky your, to have you, yes. Thank you so much. Yes. I was filming your, you were a musical director on celebrating david bowie yeah how do you describe that um it's a it's a live concert series that i created um shortly um like three weeks after david bowie passed away um it was something people asked me to do and um it made sense to me to put together a big show kind of a cathartic experience for the la community but with the way I do things, they tend to be involved and complex and large. So so we did it, uh, which was supposed to be a one-time show at the Roxy theater sold out. And it was very emotional. And, uh, from back wall through the stage, it was quite a unique experience. Who did you get for that? Um, seal and Gary Oldman and Ewan McGregor, that's um, awesome. That's amazing. That's yeah, so cool. People who had played with Bowie uh, and a lot of just top session touring recording musicians. And Angel Moore from Fishbone. It's a good buddy. Uh, different people I've worked with through through the years and some new ones. Um, I thought it was just going to be that one show in February 2016. And lo and behold, the whole thing went viral that, that night. And two years later, <laughs> two and a half years later, I'm still doing it around the world. It's <laughs> amazing. So yeah. we just did. So when I came, that was for the European. Well, what was the progression? So you did the Roxy, then. So we did the Roxy. <clears throat> I filmed then, the World Turn Theater. Yeah. Well, we had another show before that. So we did the Roxy, and then we were. Uh, I was flooded with inquiries to do more around the world, and and a lot of praise about it, and. Um, didn't know what to do about that, but eventually accepted to do an encore show in San Francisco. So we did the same massive show there and um, with some of the same people, Gary Oldman and Angela Moore. And they then came I, up. Wow. They came up. I brought 30 people from L.A. and added Jeez. 40 there for a four-hour <gasps> show. And now, then, who were, it, were these mostly insiders that were coming to the show, or was this open no, to No, just the general public, public. because okay. it really there was a need for closure it wasn't even closure the world was still in shock you know what i was this is still only two months afterwards i was at angelo's house or he was here i can't remember when david bowie died and it was interesting to see someone who you know angelo's like amazing musician and to see how sad he was and he was like oh my god another legend is down he was one of the first one i called and his shock uh yeah it was real evident um, Might have been you on the phone. So and yeah, and like in San Francisco, Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads uh, got him out for that one along with everybody else. But then and then the same thing happened. The response was uh, enormous. So I came with the idea to do a world uh, tour um, in January of last year in six cities that influence, well known to have influenced David Bowie, and he influenced back. Like Los Angeles, Sydney, Berlin, Tokyo, Berlin, London, you know, New York. And right. so did the same thing, a massive thing, flew 30 big names around the world. 
added 40 at every stop, including superstars like Sting. Oh, my God. We I shot we the Wiltern show. Just I didn't even know that you were involved at that point. It was through Angelo, and then I just showed up last minute and shot it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Sting walks. Holy Sting, nuts. Gavin Rossdale. The energy in the room was Joe crazy. Elliott from, Joe uh, Elliott. Um, people flying in. Wow. How do you have connections with all these people? Well, I've been playing for a long time, and the whole thing started as a collective. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't just me. I came with the idea, and I spearheaded. But everyone I'd played with said, hey, you know, um, what about so-and-so? You know, and through these all these touring recording musicians, we're either a direct phone call or one phone call away from anyone on the planet. Right, that's true. So just so I kind of spearheaded it and steered it, came up with the idea of how it would work. And then people would put their input and kind of I'd weed out the, you know, the bulls crap. So, yeah, there's a lot of you can swear on here. (laughs) Yeah. Bullshit. (laughs) So, you know, people in it for themselves or all that. You can spot that been around like I you can spot that around. So just look for people who are sincere about coming out. And even some Um, of the people in D. Bo's yeah. own alumni were kind of people from shitty, his right? bands all the way back and there were some struggles in there so but we made it work the shows were received extremely well I was never going to do it again just like the first show <laughs> and then you know there you go I got talked into reconsidering and so I came up with a new idea that was smaller and still tourable and that's what we did this year the new yeah, idea just being less out. money involved and well it was more places a lot more places and um you know it was driven by the music the tour last year really kind of brought the world together in our own kind of special way to give people closure so nice. it was it was about closure for mm-hmm. the audience members and fans and that's why i did it mm-hmm. i didn't do it for money i made no money on it mm-hmm. i spent six months 24 7 just mm-hmm. getting it right because you're I, a super Bowie fan. that was. I'm a Bowie fan influence, and I just thought that I could, you know, in six months, you know, I've just been a guy running around the planet doing my weird things my whole life. But I thought, you know, and I've done tons of charity things and all that. But this one I thought, wow, in six months I could, I could bring something special to tens of thousands of Bowie fans. That's amazing. It's a way for me to give back. There was so much to Bowie and the fans. Yeah, and so that really worked. And then so this year, I thought, well, people have closure. It's a little different. They're still emotional, but it's different. So let's trim it down, make it a tourable project, and something that still can speak and manage. So I picked a particular ten people. Half the band were multi instrumentalists, so we moved around, changed instruments a lot. And some of those Just people, like Joe Sumner, who's yeah. Sting's son. Yeah. And then Angela Moore of Angela Fishbone. Angela Moore, who is, Adrian Ballou. Adrian Ballou is huge. Critical to that. Can you uh, describe who Adrian Ballou is to the people? Adrian Ballou, um, he started with Frank Zappa, and then Bowie stole him from Frank Zappa. <laughs> what is that famous story? Um, he just Bowie. He was out with Zappa on tour, and Bowie showed up on the side of the stage in Cologne. Uh, check no went to check him out i guess brian eno checked him out in cologne that's it and called bowie he's putting a band together and said you should check out this guy playing with zappa and bowie's in berlin so he said okay i'll check him out so bowie goes to the zappa show 
Adrian's playing with Zappa and he looks over and sees Bowie on the side of the stage. He's like, oh, man, that's David Bowie. (laughs) So there's points in Zappa's show where he walks off stage. So he walks over and he says, hi, I'm Adrian Blue. He goes, David Bowie. He's like, hey, would you like to join my band? And Adrian's (laughs) like, well, I'm in one right now. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, well, let's talk. So uh, they get to they trade numbers and uh i think later that night bowie somebody calls and goes like at 3 a.m in berlin goes hey meet us down in the lobby so he goes down around 3 a.m and adri is a real happy-go-lucky guy checking it out and they go walk outside and the door opens to like some kind of german limo in east berlin at this point yeah. <laughs> they say get in he's like what is going on spy world mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like 78 or 1977 well, I think. It, yeah so he climbs in and they he goes oh hey okay cool yeah and they go well let's go out to eat somewhere we won't get disturbed he goes i just have the place bowie says so they go to this underground restaurant and adrian's just taking it all in and they walk in, and who's there but Frank Zappa and the whole band? <gasps> just by coincidence, so by or coincidence, did Bowie... yeah. okay. Zappa was mad, He's, and he said, "Sit down, Captain Tom." Kind of demoting <laughs> him from Major Tom, Whoa. just being sarcastic. And Adrian and David are all awkward, and then Frank kept like being sarcastic and pissy. And then they got up, left, and uh, David goes to Adrian. Well. I thought that went well. <laughs> oh my and then God. that tour ended and Adrian went over to play with David and play on records. Career and suicide. No. And then he left that for whatever, or Bowie's always changing players and stuff. And then Is he, he making a lot of changes? Yeah, he does make a lot of changes. Nice. And so he, uh, then, then uh, Adrian went on to, tour and record with the talking heads and then tom tom club and then he got called to front king crimson and sort of nine inch nails and herbie hancock and paul simon yeah he's just a really uh, innovative guitar player a real super legend on guitar and he's an amazing singer as well um he sang a lot of the bowie songs when we yeah yeah so he's on as a singer because he used to uh then he got asked to be the music director for david Bowie's one of his biggest tours ever, 1990 Sound and Vision World Tour, all year long around the world. But when David wasn't at Soundcheck, uh, Adrian would sing all the songs because he can sing cool. all the songs. He has the it range. Was gnarly he still has him. the range. He still does to this day. Yeah, like, David yeah. couldn't sing the stuff. He had well, to lower all the keys 10 years ago. Adrian just sings them in the original key. And such a sweet guy. He's so unassuming and just this. No where's ego. he from? Like Kentucky or? He's a Midwestern guy. Yeah. Nice. yeah. So there he's you just go. got that little sweet spirit. <laughs> and I kind of and... have, I have Midwest past. So maybe that's why we connect. We have a good bond. Yeah, you guys have a good rapport. And our saxophonist is from the Midwest and we've, you know, and I'm his God's daughter's God's father. Aww. Well, we call me the godless father, actually. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> See you in hell. Hey, so can you talk about the controversy at all? Or would you rather stay away from that? Um, no, no. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much. But, you know, there's always, like, there's other people trying to do their thing, their Bowie thing in, in competition, which is really not, for me, what it's about. We're just trying to do do our version of a Bowie show. Yeah. You know, and stay innovative. You know, I want to be, 
I want to include all the artful, innovative approaches uh, that David would always change. There'd be changing. There'll always be changing people uh, in and out. There's some mm-hmm. new guests we have always coming up. I like to match the songs up. I just try to think. It's what amazing. Would, the show what would David do now? Well, he wouldn't right. do what he did. He famously never did that. Yeah. Didn't hated it. So, and I'm not like that at all either. Um, and Adrian says he'll only do Bowie with me, and he says because you because I think like David. Which is incredible because Adrian's one of my favorite artists ever. So it's amazing. So there's a stroke camp and there's another camp that's kind of like. And there's actually another one that, too. Oh, there's another one. But they're not as busy. Yeah, it's kind of a whole world of thing. Well, but you know, but there's a little bit of screwing that's happening that there's you're not into. Things. But there's weird things. But you know, it's all about moving forward. Yeah. Just go downstream. You've had such a good that. attitude about everything, but it's kind of like I see what's going on and I'm like. Oh my God! I would be so pissed off. <laughs> well, for off. me, you know, it's not about me. So yeah, and like I say, I don't really look back. I look forward. So if it's not working out with somebody or some situation, that's totally fine. Let's just keep going. You know, um, but the people are like ripping off ideas and stuff. It's really yeah. Cool. But you know, jumping off your bandwagon and what's stealing. The, what stuff do they and, say? Uh, uh, yeah, imitation yeah. is the sincerest form of flattery. flattery. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, whatever. But you know, it's like I say, it's really about the music and who, whoever wants to see whatever. And the spirit of Bowie would be doing what you're doing, which is just like honoring and not being an asshole. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, I don't know. But you know, I'm just gonna keep going and. Try to do stuff that's cool to me. Yeah. Well, it's you great. Know, the show that, is that back That the to people back. involved will get into it. You know what I mean? Or if they're not into it, they can go do something else. But, so right now you, know. you have Paul. Can we talk about who's? No, not okay. technically. Do you want me to? I can scratch that out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, okay. we'll scratch Paul Schaefer? Yeah, Paul, Paul Schaefer. Paul you Schaefer. never know. Hey, he's wild. Paul McCartney. You never know. Who knows? Any so Paul. you can't talk about know. any of the upcoming stuff? Is anything? Not yet. Okay. It's all kind of set But up. where can people look to find out the information? CelebratingDavidBowie.com? CelebratingDavidBowie.com. Also our social media sites. So, like, uh, on Facebook, we're celebrating David Bowie concerts. And on Instagram, I think it's just celebrating underscore David underscore Bowie. And on uh, Twitter, it's CDB Tour. So very yeah. consistent. I like that. <laughs> so, you know, and then like CDB, the initials, um, coincidentally, well, there's... David used initials a lot in lowercase. And so mm. I saw some emails, um, correspondence that he had, and sometimes he'd do a small D and a large B. Oh, cool. And that's also in his artwork a little bit. What? That's and cool. so I use that in CDB. I do a large C and a small D and a large B. But also, CDB is, what do you say, uh, acronym for C. David Bowie, visual. Oh, cool. You know, S E E David Bowie. That's cool. <laughs> and then DB, like a little D, big B, is that decibels too? Yeah. Yeah. It's decibels, oh, 
Dolby Theater. Good one, Mouse. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So, you know, I dots. like those little things, you yeah. know, whatever. The they just kind of de- check them out well, and it all feeds the, the spirit of it that's all. That's cool. And well, Bowie. we'll post everything. If you provide weens with all those, we'll, we'll post you them got on it. social media too. So. And I want to know, because you had told me some cool stories about Bowie. Like, he never flew. He would take trains and... So well, I've learned read, a lot. So right? before he passed away, I was a huge fan of him musically and his style. I liked his style on stage and off stage and the Renaissance man that he was. But I knew a limited amount, you know, and I'd played with different players who played with Bowie. Um, so I learned a little bit. But since he passed away, I was right in the middle of this whole storm. I've learned so much. Um, and it's quite incredible. And there's some really incons- really consistent things that I've heard people say that people don't even know each other. Because mm-hmm. if you can imagine, his world was large and vast and wide. Mm-hmm. Well, he went on for decades and he had decades many different musicians. And always hired. moving. So anyone who thinks they had the, you know, ultimate Bowie experience, forget about it. I yeah. can tell you that's not true. The only ultimate Bowie experience, probably Iman and Duncan and Lexi, his family, wow. <laughs> maybe his business manager. I mean, there's probably 10 who had the ultimate David yeah. Bowie who really knew him, you know. Uh, but even those who were, were, you know, and then there's bandmates who come and go and know about a certain thing, some just employed. And then there's some people I've talked to who are friends who, Spend his birthday with them, or he'd like fly Gary Oldman, because he became buddies with yeah. Oldman, and he was good friends. So you hear different stories, and you would think you'd hear different things, but consistently, always heard that he was funny mm-hmm. and fun, uh, and always, um, always looking forward. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him, mm-hmm. which is freakish, because I've been all over the world at this point. Met photographers he's worked with, mm-hmm. personal friends, everything. Never heard a bad word about him. And the whole time, everyone said, saying he was self-effacing. He mm. would take the back seat of a car. Mm-hmm. Insisted. You wow. know. Which is so um, funny because his persona is so larger than life and decorated and owning yes. the stage. So you'd think that would translate to personal life, but maybe not. No. Huh. So easygoing, you know. And, I, and he has his team of support who, you know, will take care of business. Mm-hmm. But him personally, he seemed really easy go, comfortable skin. He, he, the, people always say they, when they met him or knew him, he never made them feel out of place. He always made them feel welcome and mm. even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the same level. So he wasn't hard to work with? How did he work in the studio? No. Stuff? So fast. Here's what mm-hmm. I know. Like I just was checking out Nile Rogers, who produced three or four albums of his, and talking about Let's Dance album, biggest selling of all time his whole career they they mix recorded even wrote some of that in 17 days the entire oh album my God. what yeah 17 days <laughs> from start to finish we have wow. nothing oh we need two more songs boom 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 boom, boom, boom. and who was doing most of the writing that so david mm-hmm. he did, did he have all. other he would come up i hear stories of him showing up and go oh we need another verse um okay hold on okay how about this mm-hmm. and he'd come up with something and be you just made that up, and, and they're profound. <laughs> like his lyrics aren't incredibly profound. They are. I've always. seen yeah. and heard stories about financial decisions that are mind blowing. Win 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 for everyone in large. Hmm. That came up in twenty minutes. Didn't you know, he create prolific his own painter? You know, credible modern painter. You hmm. know. 
What, uh, was, what did he do with the internet that was... Yeah, always top front of the line with the internet, first online performances, fan exchange, all that kind of stuff. An old uh, road manager of mine worked for him. Him and Todd Rundgren and Thomas Dolby together at Forefront wow. uh, on that. You know, and it just goes on and on like, man, who is this guy? But I think I figured it out. Hmm. So he was afraid of flying. And then he he came to a certain piece, I think, later in his career in the 80s. And because you can't you can't do some you have to do fly some. But he literally takes ships and trains wow. and make the band wait a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So but what I think I figured out where part of this genius, of course, he was born genius and talented. But then. The guy took, you know, the Orient Express to get across Asia in the 70s and extremely well read, extremely well read. Um, hmm. So he's reading on a train with on the Orient Express, experiencing the street level mm-hmm. constantly all over the world, get to wherever. And he's rock star level. Mm-hmm. And he's got tons of cash coming in. And he's losing it by bad management. You know, mm-hmm. he's just experiencing everything to the greatest height hmm. and extreme mm-hmm. constantly year after year you know the highs and the lows and everything um but just you're saying so just being in so, the train experience so a lot of people you know they they get rich and famous early and then and they, they just isolate. separate mm-hmm. isolate and then they have attitude not mm-hmm. not bowie apparently was just out there running around the clubs and hanging out and yeah you know so on a ship and talking to people just yeah. any normal person the whole time and reading, heavy reading the whole time. So, you know what in particular? Just everything. No, everything. but there is a list out of his, uh, what he considered his 75 to 100 most essential books to mm. read. And then mm. Duncan, his son, just started a book reading club. Oh, wow. That's neat. This last year. Did you get so, to meet the family? No, I've never met Duncan. Um, we have friends in common. Uh, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not pursuing to meet anyone. Yeah, yeah. If it comes up, great. I'd love to meet him. He sounds interesting, and you know. And I'm uh, assuming the family's supportive of this tour, and yeah, yeah, they heard about the first show actually at the Roxy. Um, so I heard that they heard and and about the second show in San Francisco in 2016, and then before I did the big international tour last year, I didn't feel comfortable going forward without checking in with the estate. So. I've always been in touch, and their thing, uh, they've been really supportive, but they don't endorse anything. They just allow things to happen, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you don't step on certain But you had to develop a report with them, or, or they could have had to. the kibosh, yeah. Yeah, they can, and, you know, and that's not what I'm about anyway. I'm not trying to benefit personally from... Have you still, have you not gotten paid? What? <laughs> Oh, well, we don't talk about those things, but I'm the owner of Celebrating David Bowie, so I'm the last guy out of the I know that he pays everybody else besides himself, so. It's been hundreds and hundreds of people, and there's been all kinds of, internationally, so all kinds of craziness. So we're trying to simplify and bring it all up to date and manageable, because when we started, it was just an emotional thing, mm-hmm. you know, and look what it turns into just moving it's turned it this giant yeah. thing. And, you know, it's kind of turning into a, a regular thing. So we're trying to figure out how to handle that and make it appropriate. 
mm-hmm. and um, and make it work, you know. But now it's it's a real business, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to deal with that stuff, which is really not my scene in a certain way. But um, but now we're we're kind of getting a grip on how to normalize it and catch up to it and present it and awesome. make it okay. This could go on, you know. We're can not going to go out there and play like a million shows a year. We just want to make them special every time. Can you, know? you talk about the fact that something exciting is going to be happening in general form? So we, we're going. To, we've been to four continents, and I don't know how many countries. We're adding one more continent and um, a far outreach of a continent of a continent. <laughs> uh, seven new countries coming up soon. Um, and uh, part of that is we are just announced, and we're not announcing details where, when, why, who, and what. But, but we he's will got be, a couple of major it's coming who's, soon, and it's a big deal. <laughs> coming soon. So, so um, check it yeah, out. we'll be performing with orchestra for the first time. That's orchestra. amazing. Yeah. And so that's going to be. And I know where it's going to be, and it's freaking cool. It's <laughs> Hopefully so it'll be cool. There. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working so, myself in the mix here. So that that's all going to be coming out over the next two, three weeks. And, uh, yeah, we're super excited about that. That's And we'll awesome. see what that breeds. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of just riding the wave, doing the best we can. It's a cool wave, though, just hanging out with you guys. I hung out in Utrecht, which is close yep. to Amsterdam, and then and in Berlin. Berlin. Yeah. And... There were some, um, just the, you had the drummer, Mike Urbano. Um, Michael Urbano, yeah. And he had played with, who were a couple of the big guys he played with? He's done a lot of recording. He's in the Bay Area, and he's a well-known touring and session guy. And he's um, played with and recorded with um, Todd Rundgren and Cracker and Cheryl Crow and John Hyatt and Smash yeah. Mouth. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. on a bunch of hits and Joe Sumner was there and Paul. Joe Sumner, Paul Dempsey is a well-known Australian artist that uh, uh, we love to death. He was incredible. He He's nailed really this. He's really incredible. Uh, Ron Jubla is an LA top call LA uh, saxophonist uh, who plays multiple instruments. It's so great. does Paul. All Dempsey. nice people too. That was the most yeah. amazing thing. Nobody had an ego. Yeah, it's all a sweet. Angela crowd. Moore, who Angela we Moore all know and love, that. and he was like performer oh my god he killed it he's, he's so stunning good. and it really surprises people that Angela yes. Moore comes from fishbone but he he commands the theatrical side of david bowie in a way that no one else can that i've seen because yeah. angelo he's not faking it it's not he's not trying to be bowie he can't it's just it. angelo <laughs> but yeah. it, it the way it translate well his voice is incredible too he has all that range and everything mm-hmm. But the theatrics of Angelo, um, the way he was in Fishbone and the way he is outside of Fishbone is really a parallel to David Bowie in the 70s, Mm. wearing different outfits and costuming and everything. And it's not putting on a thing. It's just a part of them. It's a character that they're embellishing within them. Which one so. of the characters was Niggy Stardust? He yeah. came out in black. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. A black man with black face, and then he does white face too. Yeah. Know? So it's equal. Yeah, but there. he picks up stuff like he's, you know, it's a, he makes about seven outfit changes yeah. during a show. One of them was like an SS uniform. Yeah, he got Berlin. a German officer uh, outfit. <laughs> in Christ. while we were in Berlin, he went yeah. out and got one yeah. to wear during a ballad about religion 
about a man's search for himself or religion. Was that quicksand? That's Bowie. Quicksand, yeah. Which was one of his favorite songs. He said that was where he it's felt the spirit song. of Bowie the most, and he nailed it's it. It's great. Yeah, he didn't know the song. So that's kind of what I bring to the table. I try to find, match an artist with a song mm-hmm. that they can relate to, whether they know it or not, and go, what about this? Mm-hmm. And then he had a hard time with that. I was at his house when he was trying to. It's Bowie has a lot of lyrics. He's like, "This is a lot of white people shit. I don't know what the Greta Garbo." <laughs> well, even would. even Bowie <laughs> messed up his lyrics all the time. Really? Oh yeah. Good. Oh yeah. Why? Uh, that was too complicated for. There's a lot of lyrics. He's got like 500 songs, like oh and so, God. and none of them are normal. Yeah. Nothing. They're all from his reading, and his history, and knowing history, and his mm. search of of himself and history and God, it's amazing. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And he works so fast. So none of it's about rhyme. None of it's about anything. It's just really, uh, really rolls it's dense. Yeah. It's dense it's, and it's can, heavy and yeah. there's real questions and there's light stuff, but th- mm-hmm. it's pretty. Do you think did the light heavy. stuff make it to the radio? Let's dance. Let's dance. China yeah. doll. Yeah. Um, yeah. Changes was kind of a little heavier, but still relatable to the public. Well, yeah. Think Cha- they... Well, a lot of it's relatable, but change mm-hmm. is pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the young dudes is pretty heavy. And it turns out he Mata, he heard Mata Hoopa was going to break up because they weren't getting us having large success. So he went over and said, you guys, come on here. I got this song, Suffragette City. Why don't you take it? They're like, no. Can, who is Mata Can you explain? Mata Hoople. So you will. Yeah, Mata Hoople is 70s group. And so they're like, Suffragettes, no, that's not for us. And it wasn't a hit. Bowie's just going, hey, here's a song I wrote. Why don't you do that? It could work for you. They go, no. And he goes, well, wait, hold on. Here, I'll write one. He sat there right in front of him in 17 minutes and wrote All the Young Dudes. <gasps> and said, what about this? It was their biggest hit by far and it's one of the biggest it's a huge Bowie hit and for the people that don't know how would you break down that song Uh, all the young dudes carry the news yeah and it's like how did you write that (laughs) like sitting there in front of people in like 15 minutes yeah it's freakish but the song is about the guys carrying the news of the time yeah which was was it the 40s i don't know much about it oh i don't know if it was of the 40s we'll have to look that up yeah. we'll do a fact check fact check bowie himself once claimed that the song was not intended to be an anthem for glam that it actually carried a darker message of apocalypse according to an interview bowie gave to rolling stone magazine in 73 the boys are carrying the same news that the newscaster was carrying in the song five years from ziggy stardust the news being the fact that the earth had only five years left to live bowie explains quote all the young dudes is a song about this news it's no hymn to the youth as people thought it is completely the opposite unquote all the young dudes quote is also thought of as a gay anthem lou reed said it's a gay anthem a rallying call to the young dudes to come out in the streets and show that they were beautiful and gay and proud of it yeah yeah (laughs) but i mean even that just all the young dudes carry the news of whatever i mean that's kind of a that's a heavy yeah, like, yeah, that's uh, that's Very a call poignant. to the youth sure. to carry whatever news forward. Yeah, take it. Yeah, there like, you go. Like that's pretty heavy. Just that. Yeah, and that could be <laughs> yeah. applied to today's times, right? With yeah, anything, gun control you know? and everything right now. And then you make it melodic, and then musically, as someone from like a, a learned background, academic background, I just enjoyed his music and his style. Mm-hmm. You know. And then when I started doing this stuff, I never really played it much until recently. 
And then I had to learn all this new stuff for these tours, like, holy Toledo, these songs are genius, and they never repeat themselves. They're not based on any regular song form. They all have weird, they have time signatures, weird phrasing, weird. They're all extremely unique. How much did he know? And not like like three or four tunes. I mean, every single one of them is unique to itself. They're like operatic almost. Really, under pressure. Yeah. That's a really weird song. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. the phrasing, like the chorus, like it's a three bar phrase that repeats. Like, yeah. Who does and that? it's a huge, massive hit. Like, mm-hmm. how do you do all of that? And Make he, it a huge. He never played to. Complex. He wasn't trying to capture a certain audience. He wasn't doing anything for anyone no, else. No, no. It was just his nature to be innovative and, mm-hmm. and find something that spoke. And he liked the theatricality of things, lyrics. and. Did he have art, music literature theory? Literature theory. No, no, but he, not any formal stuff. Did he write music? Yeah, all of it. I mean, Life on Mars, it changes chords every single bar of the song to the end. Would he be able to? There's weird inversions. It's really genius. And and key changes. It's like, he wrote that. It's like, what? Do you know how he, did he put it on, what would you call it? He just scribbled out, yeah, in a certain shorthand and everything. Okay, so he would say it's a B so flat he would to an learn, A minor and this you know, time signature. With the interest in theater and all that kind of stuff, that's kind of theatrical writing really applied to the rock world, which is not normal. Mm-hmm. But theatrical writing tends to be longer and a little fluffier somehow. Somehow he managed to take that style of writing, this is my interpretation, that style of writing um, that tells a story that the writing all talks about it's all about telling the story the narrative it's all built around the, mm-hmm. the words but he was able to take it and manage to have really melodic choruses and catchy things it's just him did he do piano work. as well as guitar he played piano guitar sax all kinds of instruments on all the records Wow. I don't know. The guy is an alien I, I never thought there's a joke about that the whole time the man who fell to earth like oh that was him you know, it's a true story. The guy came out of nowhere and this conquered. This is a story, that a movie that a movie he was, he in, was yeah. starred in in 76. Oh, that's really just him. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he's an alien. Okay, yeah, it kind of seems like him. And he's got this he loving the alien. the cultural world out of nowhere, and he's beloved, and he became rich, and he can't explain it because he never had hits. And then the last couple of years, I'm totally convinced that like, <laughs> that's an alien. It's some alien. kind of hybrid because... I have no idea how one human can do all these things at such a high level in so many directions. And maintain integrity and humility yeah. and a family. And... It's very complexing, you know. Yeah. So I just like working in it, you know, and, and I like people like that. I'm, I'm drawn to people like that and work like that. And so it's real natural for me to mm-hmm. be doing this show. It just kind of mm-hmm. works. For me and you're personally. doing it from a pure place of honoring this person. Well, well, I'm doing it honoring Adam, but even above that, I'm doing it out of my own interest in innovation. Mm-hmm. Like, because sure. like his Facebook like, page. Well, you take here's a catalog of music that's really interesting. You know, I've done stuff with Miles Davis music before, Fela Kuti, Burt Bacharach. I love all that stuff because it's innovative. Can so, you talk about your project with Burt? Or is that secret? Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's not happening. Oh, because dang. Because somebody got a hit record in... Sting. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. There's going to be a nice collaboration There's with gonna, Sting and Bert. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Now, speaking yeah. of Bert, can I segue yeah. 
Or, or do you yes. guys still want to go music? I heard you have a dog yeah. named Burt Reynolds. That's funny because I didn't know if you knew <laughs> yeah. that. Because <laughs> Burt, first and foremostly, means my dog, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> He's my main thing. Yeah. What kind of Bert dog is he? We- He's uh, he's a rescue, but he's very much a Jack Russell Terrier, but with wiry hair. So he kind of has that Scottish Terrier look, but he's he's blonde. Um, but he's got that crazy smarts and tough guy, owns a room, athletic, you know, that whole Jack Russell <laughs> thing going That's on. That's awesome. Now, why Burt Reynolds? Furry. Can you expound on that? Well, I didn't name him. He came with that name Aww. through the rescue, and I got him when he was a year and a half. And um, I was like, well, what what was that name before? Terrence? No, no, no. And then so I'm like, all right, all right, Bert, here we go. I'm going to sit you down. (laughs) And ask you. And here you go. Here's here's the movie Deliverance. And here's the movie Boogie Nights. Mm. This is Bert Reynolds, the actor, you know, as a badass in Deliverance, tough guy. And then as a porn king in... (laughs) You know, Boogie Nights. I'm like, you got to live up to that. That's your range. Mm-hmm. And he has. He's a total fighter and a lover. How often does and he watch seen. his films, or has he seen them? No, I've shown him some some Burt Reynolds films okay. and everything. But he's got it. I mean, he's, he doesn't need it. He has a nice he's mus- a total alpha. mustache. Yeah, I was going to ask about yeah. the mustache. Burt Reynolds owns every room he walks in. I, mean, it's, I love it. It's true. Hey, I hey, see sc- Rottweilers follow him around. Yeah. Scroat, I'm so sorry, and Weens. I'm going to yeah. have to bow out. I have some visitors that just showed up. So, okay. All good. I loved meeting you Bye. on the phone, and please continue. Yes. I will listen back. And Thanks for having me on board. Of course. Yeah, Weens, take it away. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. So, yes, we had to um, segue into Burt Reynolds, who sometimes when you're confused... You ask, uh, what would Bert do? Does that help <laughs> yeah. you in your choice making? Well, well, there's, well, there's, there's a couple things, you know. Well, Bert, no, I think about Bert. Bert is more of a, a rock. I just uh, in a strength, a source of strength. Mm-hmm. But who I really ask what would do is Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is my Buddha. Oh, yeah, so. I love that. I think about, I don't think Muhammad Ali has all the answers. I think Muhammad Ali is all the answers. So Why I is could that? just look into, if I have a question, I think, what, Muhammad Ali, okay, let me just look at Muhammad Ali. And then usually pretty quickly I figured it out. Because we had a conversation about this, and I have the rock opera that I am going to erect in Los Angeles yes. called Garden Girl. Yes. And it is something that I was struggling with. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Would people come see it in L.A.? I'm not, no, no, no. And then we had a conversation about you like having to push forward celebrating David Bowie. Right. And really, you had a Muhammad Ali moment right yes i did yes i did well it's before the before the big tour last year uh the 2017 the first international tour uh way before so i thought about it and i thought about the whole mass so usually when i think uh producing a record or this kind of a concert or a tour i think of the end if i can see the end then i'm there so i see the end and i see a path to get to the end and it's flexible and i build a ship that's flexible that's kind of before i even call anybody 
I have to see it, the whole So it's picture. almost like the frame of yeah, the house. Yeah, I got to see the whole can... thing, and then we'll work towards it and stay flexible and keep getting there, and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But if that's not defined, it's it's hard to get anywhere. You know? mm-hmm. So I've just learned that through the years. So I do that. So uh, I was thinking about this tour last year, which is just an incredibly complex, difficult situation worldwide. I uh, can't even tell you. <laughs> It'll oh my never, God! I've heard never so many be stories. that complicated again. Nothing insane, ever. But now you know. I'm still dealing with the aftermath of that complexity, but it's it's all working out. So the um, but before I I came up with I was thinking about it and coming up and I heard Muhammad Ali was near the end and I was in the valley and I ran out, jumped in my car and got to Santa Monica Pier. It's like 11 p.m. And I like to go out there and walk sometimes late at night. And uh, that's where I got the news that he passed away. And then... That Bowie passed away. No, no, no. Muhammad Ali. Ali. Okay. And then I walked along the pier and thought about it. Then I walked along the beach and started thinking through the Celebrating David Bowie tour ahead. And then uh, something, you know, spoke to me about things to look for and watch out and how to avoid certain things and issues and all that and it really steered me then i you know i realized oh that's muhammad ali talking to me well, warned me of these things and you had had a connection to him for years before yeah yeah forever he was kind of your buddha forever. okay so that's awesome you know, and I think some of, of that, that has come to fruition oh like... oh no it saved the whole thing yeah. i mean like yeah well it informed the whole it shaped the whole thing i love that Thank yeah, you, Ollie, been, because without that, we yeah, wouldn't have had even this with wonderful any tour to look complexities at. And, and problems that arose and, you know, dealt with, it would have been like a thousand times worse. <laughs> wow. If I didn't learn this that night. That's amazing. You're you doing know? such a great thing so, by doing this. Okay, I want to ask you yeah, just a couple sorry, of, that's all right. Stand a couple times. Um, so a couple dumb, fun questions. Yeah. Who was the most interesting musician that you've recorded with or worked with? or to date um just worked with um i mean it hmm. could have been your whole lifespan because um, quickly i'll just do a quick a tough recap one, because but I can. we yeah. met each other yeah which we can't figure out exactly where but i know that i knew you from the bay area music scene yeah you were in a band called you and what army yep i knew a guy named jeff foster who knew oh, mike yeah. the drummer yeah i remember jeff you do yeah. did we ever talk about that yeah Okay. No, I don't remember. Jeff you Foster was good friends with Mark, <laughs> who was my first boyfriend, who was a guitar and bass tech for Primus. Yeah, I didn't know. I might have met Mark, but I yeah. knew Jeff. Okay, yeah. so Jeff, I knew, and anyway, so that's how I don't even think we talked about it. That's how we know each other. Yeah, that, it's probably something that connection. in that running around. Dizzy Bam yeah. was yeah. Yeah. the band he was yeah. in. Which I remember think, them. Okay, yeah. so anyway, you came up kind of through the punkish, weird, funkish. Well, I came out of. The University of North Texas jazz and, you know, classical world. And then I, that was in Texas, and then I moved to San Francisco and got into just doing really eclectic band stuff and various things. Which was and then a weird, that like, led to funk. You and What Army. Yeah, there was the funk, thrash funk thing, but then, you know, there's also a jazz element yeah. to it. So that's kind of how I started fitting in. But I also 
have a background in funk and soul from way back. So it was a very cool thing that apparently didn't happen anywhere else. It was really it fun, was interesting Bay scene area. there. Like Oakland, and then Berkeley. That got me out doing things and certain connections. Um, and I really did not play any rock bands hmm. or straight up punk bands. I had a band, I was in a band called the Billy Nair Show for a little bit. They had a cult following out of San Francisco. And then I had my own band, uh, Baby Snufkin. And we were road dogs all over. Crazy. The you place. were the crazy. We were nuts. But, you know, between the four of us, we had like five college degrees and spoke four yeah. languages. We were like the, the heady, punky yeah. people. But the music we played was African Cuban based, delivered with a punk attitude. We were wow. a little more like the Clash, but with yeah. trumpet. I don't know. It's a very weird band. And Stuff I had, they play on the radio all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, never. <laughs> yep. And then um, eventually they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I moved to San Francisco, and I wasn't in, ever in a – we were too eclectic to be in punk things, but we played mm-hmm. in punk clubs, and we were wild enough to yeah. deal with those punks. Yeah. You had a little mohawk, if I remember uh, No, I had different color hair oh. and everything, and that was fun. And – then, but I still was never in a straight punk band or a straight rock band until I moved to L.A. And then I became friends with um, a good friend of mine, Paul Barker from Ministry. We started playing together, a couple of guys from uh, Ministry. And I lived across from one of the guys from Circle Jerk. And, he was my and, tax attorney, Keith. Oh, uh, Keith Morrison. No, wait. No, I'm sorry. Who was the other guy? God damn oh, it. Oh, I know. CPA Keith. Uh, he's with the Vandals. Uh, Joe uh, Espel- no. Uh, no, uh, he does. No, that's my ex was in a band with him. Um, can't remember. Whatever. He was my CPA. I don't know. Well, yeah. Keith Suddenly, I'm. Clark. I Sorry. Got, I don't know him. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then and now, like, all of a sudden, I'm playing and producing punk bands, records, and playing it. Like, well, how did that happen? Oh, my but God. Whatever. Moving along. Fun scene. And. Um, so it was a long route to yeah. like playing punk or any like straight rock or straight much of anything. <laughs> so where? Yeah. So who was the most difficult person you worked with? Can you talk about it? Difficult person, musically. Um, uh, well, there's two things musically. Well, there's a personally difficult, and then there's musically difficult. Who's like a diva? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't want to say. But I will say um, highlights. Um, absolutely, uh, without a doubt, Adrian Blues, just virtuoso on so many levels mm-hmm. that uh, just unique, yeah. incredible uh, way. On and, and nobody off stage. doesn't like him, and nobody says he's right. a bad player. Like he's just kind amazing. of amazing. Yeah. yeah, to me, that's a Miles Davis. And level he's got play. so many stories. Oh my God, we're sitting <laughs> well, in these hotels <laughs> and drinking, and t- he would tell these amazing yeah. stories. And you're like, what? Who are you hanging out with? Him? Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm really okay, uh, so he's happy like and just like, how did that happen? But it's yeah. great. Um, Sting. It's just phenomenal. I've always been a fan, but he came in in rehearsals. Uh, not only nailed everything, played guitar. It was inventive, creative. It sounded really? 
just incredibly. And he's not really known as a right. guitar. I mean, is he? No, he's just he's a Bowie kind of guy who plays a lot of instruments. Yeah. He even plays sax, like Bowie. Because he was bass and police. Bass. He... he played guitar and his solo stuff. Yeah. He's just one of those guys who plays a lot of instruments. At the Wiltern yeah. that night, he played a beautiful. It was Black Star. Yeah, we did what a. What is in the heart of Santa? Black Star. So he played acoustic guitar, um, in a certain way. Um, you know. It, almost a flamenco kind of way. It was amazing. And uh, what the f- can I just talk to you about that for a second? Piece because ensemble yeah. backing them. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a gnarly so, show. The Wilton show was one crazy. rehearsal. So the morning before, and Sting was preparing for a world tour for ten months. That was the first day of that rehearsal, but he came to our rehearsal. Oh my god! So. And you didn't have to pay him. This I had it all arranged. Just in- yeah, all the all the special guests on that tour, um, every one of them was incredible to work volunteer with. And time. yeah, volunteer their time. They were all there for Bowie. But can I talk about this? Because I've never experienced being in. It was the Wiltern Theater, which is probably a three thousand seat. Twenty three upwards. Okay, and the. The energy shifted the moment he came out in this really weird way I've never experienced. And I've been places yeah. where some yeah. rock stars will come out on stage, but this was But when a, a rock whole star you know, someone comes in and makes all the rock stars go, Whoa. Yeah. It was <laughs> Well like, Sting's a unique character. Yeah. He is one of the few living Bowie level kind of yeah. guys. Legendary guys. And deservingly so. And I mean that's that's where where it really is. You come in Black Star is a eleven minute tune. Mm-hmm. You come in on the fly, you instantly not only nail it, you make it original and it's yours mm-hmm. without much effort. Owned it, but not that in a good. cocky way. No, no effort involved. Just yeah. made it his uh, own way of presenting mm-hmm. it. Beautifully. I mean, that's, that's why he's that. With both backup not, singers who were angelic. Kind of everything. And, yeah. Put the, yeah, had strings and horns and everything together yeah i've never experienced that but so but yeah that's you know guys on that level it's not on pretense Mm -hmm. you know you have people come and go and fake but that's no accident when those people are up there for decade after decade operating at that level so and then i loved your story when you were telling me about gary oldman who was buddies with bowie yeah and wasn't it his son that walked in the room that it was bowie's son that walked in and and um, Bowie picked up the guitar and started playing. Oh, no, it was Gary. So Gary, okay. they, um, you know. This is why I, I know, don't tell I assume, I know, I know. Like, I'm sure he doesn't care to say this. Because <laughs> yeah. he was out telling stories yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's personal. So um, I never want to take advantage of that or step in on that toes. But, That's a beautiful you know, one. he shared that uh, a few times that he was out uh but we own this small island. <laughs> as, as we do, yeah. In his house. And Gary was out there hanging out. And he's, you know, he was to Gary, who's David, his his pal, and they cross paths in this. So they're out there hanging out. He said, never, he was never David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And then one time he's, they're out there and he's like, something like he's in the kitchen upstairs and he comes down and he's walking down the stairs and he hears, ground control to major tom and it's bowie sitting there playing to his one-year-old son gary's one-year-old son space oddity and he's like uh, gary's like oh 
holy shit, it's David Bowie. Yeah, like the first time it registers that he's <laughs> yeah, that registers. guy. Yeah, registers. He's that guy. He walks in and Bowie looks over and goes, oh, just kidding, just kidding. Oh, my he's God. Like, okay. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then and he has a picture of that. Actually, not of him playing the song, but it's a picture of David with son. Gary's young son. See, that's a testimony like that. right there to how yeah. humble and understated and yeah and he's a good friend well and not. he's he's forward thinking he's not yeah. um the way i see it is like he's not uh resting on his laurels or anything like that he's just thinking ahead i'm no yeah. big star i'm just looking for the next thing yeah. i'm not playing my back catalog i'm not showing off i what's the i have an idea for a song i was reading this book i was looking at a painting yeah what about this and da da da? And he has Don, a beautiful quote, which you know I can I don't retain information well, didn't spew it back, but about following basically your mind's eye versus versus your money or your whatever. Yeah, I'll find yeah. that quote because it's I beautiful. I have that thing going on without actually any cash. <laughs> there you go. So that will come. Well, will whatever come. it doesn't matter because yeah. you know um, it matters. I mean. You have nice. to have money and, you know, to move forward and operate. So you have to find a way. Everyone's riding that same roller coaster. There's money in, then there's no money. Mm -hmm. Any artistic person. Sure. It's coming exactly. and going. <coughs> you stumble and fall. you got to get back up and keep yeah. doing it. That's it. Because that's what you Period. do. Period. That's what you do. And that's where you'll be happy if that's yeah. what drives you. And that absolutely drives me. And I think that's how it it's kind be. of worked out. Yeah. Because, yeah, besides the closure, past the last tour for me, it's just like, hey, this is a great catalog. It's really interesting. Hey, maybe we could do this. Yeah. I know who would be great for this. Let's call them. You know them, right? Okay, let me, yeah, let me call. Oh, Simple. they seem into it. Like, here's why we're doing it. You know, one guest. It must guest, amaze you how it comes together. You can never really. No, plan because I think about this. it ahead of time. You don't no, know. the end's there. Yeah. But the means kind of flow. Mm -hmm. But sometimes within it, I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know it happened quite that way. Yeah. But it's still the, the thing but that, that I is thought a, of. There's yeah. a testimony to artists out there and musicians and, of course, but just to, it's like the leap of faith, I guess. The net will appear. Like, put it out yeah. there and, and do. There's a certain thing. I'm not really thinking about the net so much. I'm just trying to think if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I've been dive bombed last year, particularly like, oh, oh, you know, hundreds of people, a few people just kind of caved the whole side over here. Like, oh, OK, well, let's piece that back together. Let's move away from that. You've had so many obstacles. It's incredible. Keep getting back up <laughs> with incredible. a smile, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Is just... Well, because I'm following my muse. I like to do the things and I'm yeah. chasing an artistic endeavor. Yeah. You know. It's not for the money. It's and I think of Muhammad Ali just throwing jabs. I love it. Let's end on that because we Throw are out of time and you are beautiful. Thank, Thank you. You, for you too. Here. Thanks for having me. And can we say your name name besides your script name if people want to look? Well, up? there's another name, Angelo Bundini, which um, is actually um, Angelo Dundee, Muhammad Ali's trainer. Yeah. Drew Bundini Brown, Muhammad Ali's corner man, married. So... That's not my birth name either, but I'm well known as Angelo Bundini as well. Just so you know to look him up if you want to see his, I just think your Facebook page. B-U-N-D-I-N-I. -I. <laughs> yeah. 
Scrout, which you know, another time we'll have to go into the the quick story of <laughs> yeah. how you got named that. But that's yeah. uh, that's story for another time. We'll bring Scrout back on after his big other stuff. Yeah, maybe we'll get yeah, you to talk some good about stuff coming because that's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. Is there anything Thank you want to end on or like tell some? Aspiring no, this could be the longest there? thing I've ever done. Oh, um, interview ever. Um, yeah. uh, no, no, yeah, I was just talking to a friend of mine at lunch. I'm trying to move forward um, and check out LA and I was saying yes just jump in yeah jump in the ocean man sink or Do swim it. it's not you can't stand on the ocean and contemplate it you got to jump in and sink and sink or swim I love it you know if you start sinking get back up to the top of the thing go yeah. go I love it and he's doing that every day advice. you have so much energy you know that, I am so. yes <laughs> alright everyone thank you so much for joining us and thank you Scrot. we love you thank and you. Uh, check out celebratingdavidbowie.com and, and in a couple of weeks he's going to re- release this really exciting info on yes. what's to come and uh, check out mouseandweens.com and yes. on the Instagram and all that good stuff. And we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Check one, two, three, four. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. I'm telling you, friend, you gotta get in. Yeah, you gotta get in. No, seriously. Get in. Get in. Come on. Get in. You gotta sink or swim. Come on. How are you gonna win? Sink or swim! <laughs>